1: Drafting our Going Deep League, that's what we're going to do on this bonus episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards and at my substack at, at bengretch.substack.com. Joined, as always, by Sean Siegel, you can find at Rotoviz. and Sean, we talked to Mike Clay uh, about a week ago and talked to, about this upcoming Going Deep Draft, and we're getting ready to do it, and, and we thought it'd be fun to stream it and... Talk through. I mean, this is the great format that we talked about. It's super flex. You start three running backs, you start six receivers, two tight ends. It's not going to be applicable to a lot of leagues. At the same time, it there couldn't really be a better test of of sort of structural drafting, the concepts of of how you relate to each position, how you need to be flexible in draft to, you know, different different outcomes. And we're going to, I think, going to spend a lot of time talking just about what positions we want to go at at the different parts, right?
2: Yeah, you mentioned that this may not transition or translate directly to a lot of the drafts that people are doing, Ben. But I'm excited for this one because it is a Superflex draft. We've had some questions about Superflex. We've talked about it to an extent, but we haven't drafted a Superflex team outside of Dynasty. And this will give listeners a chance to kind of think through what they want to do when they're on the clock in Superflex Leagues coming up over the next week. Uh, When we were talking with Mike Clay, we mentioned that we thought this was Uh, Basically, a start with tight ends and QB situation. Last year, we went tight end, QB, QB, tight end, and we're fortunate enough to hit on Travis Kelsey to start, then Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Those two picks panned out, and then Darren Waller. So that four-player start really carried us. This is also a great format and, you know, hesitate to bring it up because we talk about it a lot. But if there's ever been a perfect format for zero running back, it is this one because the quarterbacks are so important. The tight ends are so important. And then the starting lineup is three running back, six wide receiver to fill those six wide receivers after you started maybe tight end quarterback. you got to really get after it. You actually don't have to score hardly any running back points to be competitive in this league.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get both quarterback spots, both tight end spots. And then, like you said, you can start or, or you you have to start six wide receivers. So there's all these other lineup spots where you can have potentially a pretty strong positional advantage. I mean, I think one thing when we go pretty heavy zero RB, but we're also attacking keeping tight end early, we're, we're getting the advantage of keeping tight end. Hopefully, I mean, certainly we got some some luck involved last year or, or fortune when you get Kelsey and Waller both and they're the two monster tight ends. Um, as well as two, you know, two strong quarterbacks, but then beyond that, I think we, we still built a, a wide receiver roster that, especially down to the to the sixth wide receiver spot, is gaining on our on our competition, where other people are, you know, maybe taking running backs earlier. And we basically just played. Who do we have? Like Naheem Hines.
2: <laughs> we did. And, and one of our first, well, I mean, I say one of our first, but it was super late in the draft. <laughs> one of our first running backs was Marlon Mack. He obviously got hurt right from the beginning and it it just doesn't hurt you that much. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this league and I, I enjoy it. I would sort sort of recommend it to people considering different tweaks they can make. It's got an incredibly deep starting lineup, but it also has very few bench spots. And so there are going to be some people on waivers and you actually have to draft the people that you want to play. You can't just stash a bunch of guys and say, well, you know, I'll, I'll try and figure out that week. Like you you got to have the people you want on your roster and they go in the lineup and then there are going to be some free agent moves you have to kind of make. And then the flip
1: side of that is when, when we do draft young guys that we like, we have to play them. <laughs> like Because you might have an injured guy. You can, you can put some guys on IR like you said, but I think it's only three bench spots for all those positions. If you want to carry a third QB or a third tight end, which is tough at times, you basically can't carry... Maybe it's four bench spots, but you basically can't. You maybe carry one backup at each position. I'm not exactly sure, but um, it is very shallow on the bench, and so a lot, you know, we're we're doing stuff like we had Nicole Hardman last year. We're, we're putting him in our lineup every week, which is sort of fun because, like, you know, you made the bet on Nicole Hardman. If he gets a splash play, you get sort of that best ball element. It's like, hey, cool, you know, we got some Nicole Hardman points, even if he doesn't have a great season, you know. So that's what been one of my favorite parts is throwing in these random receivers and having them, you know, go off occasionally. It's, it's pretty fun. It
2: is. It is. And then before we get too deep into the draft, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the cuts, obviously teams getting down to uh, the rosters that they're more or less going to be using now for the season. You sent out a stealing signals newsletter today, kind of going over the changes you were making. You said a lot of these are sort of subtle changes, but they could be changes that, are meaningful for people as they draft their final teams, as they make trades, as they're going for that first waiver wire run. What did you see happening today? And how is it changing your rankings?
1: Yeah, the Cam Newton release was a big one. It actually didn't change my rankings much because I think the writing was starting to be on the wall. I've been pretty aggressive with Jacoby Myers and and James White, but Patriots tied for the fourth fewest pass attempts uh, in the past eight seasons last year. So fewer, fewer passes than, than any team in the league, and you know, on any given year, potentially in the last you know decade since we've really gotten into pass heavy, pass heavy trends across the league, they weren't actually dead last last year because the Ravens were were significantly lower than them. But th- we we have to expect a lot more pass volume with Max Jones under They're still going to be a power running team, but they're going to be a power running team with an immobile quarterback who's going to throw at times. They're going to look like a normal running team, like a you know a Vikings or a Titans or something. And so that's good for Jacoby Myers. It's good for James White. I think it's good for the tight ends potentially. Uh I didn't I didn't move them a ton because I already had. The other big one was the Falcons cutting both Deontay Foreman and Caleb Huntley, and they're gonna just go forward on, on their initial 53 with three running backs. Mike Davis, Kadri Allison, and Cordero Patterson. You've been telling saying to me that you've been reading a lot that Patterson looks like maybe he's the number two, which is pretty interesting. I mean, regardless, it's it's very shallow and Mike Davis. I think people are going to push up Mike Davis as a result of this. I I'm looking at it more like number 1, we probably have to expect there's a lot higher likelihood in this on this roster than on most that somebody who's not on the roster on uh, at, you know at week 1 is going to have 50 or 100 touches or more during the season. But number 2 also that you know this is a place where we could get some zero rb production, whether that's you know Olsen or, or Patterson or or someone
2: else. Um, is there a chance this team is kind of stealthily moving in that direction of being a Bills type of team, and that's not what we were expecting with the new head coach? But I mean, they just—they seem like they have some weapons in the past game. They don't have anything at the running back position. I mean, I,
1: I think the way that you that you think of it would be that Arthur Smith built his offense in Tennessee around sort of the he had. I mean, I think that's the smart way to build offenses. I think that's something Bill Belichick's done well his whole career that, you know, people get sick of using Bill Belichick as a gold standard, but I think it's worth pointing out and, and holding up, you know, as soon as they traded for Randy Moss, they completely changed their passing game way back when, then they got two tight ends they completely changed the passing game again. And then, you know, there's different times that they did all sorts of different things. Look at last year, they tried to make it work with the Cam Newton offense. It was completely different than anything we'd seen from the Patriots. Uh, you, you build the offense with the personnel you have and maybe Arthur Smith is sort of on that mindset and they did the draft Kyle Pitts in the top five. It would be interesting for
2: sure. And with, with Mac Jones there, I, you and I, I think, and, and probably lots of other people were, were pretty confident he was going to be the starter If not week one then you know, week two, week three. It just, as you mentioned, the writing was on the wall. It isn't the big takeaway here that uh, once he comes back from the shoulder that Jones is going to be willing to throw open Nikhil Harry, and we finally you know get that massive production from him. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely.
1: That's exactly what we uh, what we're going to read into this. Uh, the other one was Colin Johnson was really interesting, and I've been a little bit down on DJ Tru. We've talked a little bit about him either on the show or on the side, you and I. But I part of part of my concern was that Colin Johnson was getting some praise in camp, a big-bodied outside receiver and had the potential to maybe rotate in, and they really liked Marvin Jones, and maybe that would impact DJ Shark's snaps. He's not, you know, fully healthy, all these things. But they're going forward with, I think it's good for Chenault too, frankly. Shark, Jones, Marvin Jones, and Chenault. And then I think it's Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew, who's like a special teamser. That's their whole wide receiver room, which is another, you know, they're probably going to add to it. They've said that they're looking, but I think they're, last year they rotated early in the year quite a bit. This year, I think we're going to see those three
2: receivers in three wide sets from week one. Yeah, you're almost going to have to play it that way. And they do insist that Chark will be ready. I think that he's a good value in drafts. I don't think he's a good value from the perspective of, okay, you can lock in the points. I think he's a good value from the perspective of there's a huge range of outcomes here and the good ones are very good. And so you want to have a little bit of exposure to that. Marvin Jones also not completely healthy, but someone they expect to be ready for week one too. So that week one, three Y could still be kind of interesting. And especially with ETN out, all you have to do is watch, you know, Robinson and Hyde in the preseason here. You can tell it's not nearly as dynamic without ETN. So those receivers, I think will get a lot. And, you know, we would encourage people to not draft Chenault, So he's available to us. Uh, but then we're now moving into the first round here of our draft. Yeah. Jared Smola with Christian McCaffrey number one, uh, Pete and Henry, Dalvin Cook number two, Greg Smith who Mike Clay had mentioned as one of the recent titleists takes Travis Kelsey third overall. We now have Jeff Ratcliffe in fourth, and then you and I have the fifth pick. Uh, is this pretty clearly Darren Waller? If Waller goes to Ratcliffe here, uh, are we already on Kyle Pitts, or would you like the top quarterback?
1: That's interesting to go all the
2: way to pits at five.
1: I was thinking Waller or or Mahomes, it feels like here, but certainly can there's a big first tier at quarterback and hope that, you know, we'll get some some solid quarterback options later. I I would love to get Waller. That would be my preference. Looks like Kamara on an auto pick. We'll see if this will. But yeah, I mean, I think if we can get uh,
2: Waller here. That's a fantastic start, right? Yeah, I think so as well. Uh it, it looks like Mike is considering pausing it. I'm not sure if Jeff is in the draft room, but yeah, okay. I mean Waller is uh Waller, I think, as our guy. It looks like Kamara is going to be the pick for Jeff. So Ben, if you could lock that in for Ooh. us and uh, we're off to a fast start uh, this the tight end here we had mentioned on the show with mike uh, scott fish talked with us about this on an episode of rotoviz overtime before the fishbowl and his comment was that when he analyzed two tight end formats you almost had to have one of the tight ends the the top tight ends to win so i like being able to get one of the key guys here to start. What are your thoughts on the next tight end who could be available? I mentioned Pitts. I was also actually thinking Kittle. Kittle, Pitts, Hawkinson, you know, those are some guys who even in round two, because we don't know how quickly they're going to come off. They might be interesting. But also as you mentioned, a Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, a Kyler Murray, those guys would be in play. Are there any running backs who would mix in for you there? Would you be considering someone like a uh, a Diggs or a Tyree Kill. What position do you prefer here? Or do you yeah. have really a, a player that you're? you're
1: There's definitely looking? not a running back. <laughs> I mean, McCaffrey, Cook, and Camaro off the board. I hate the third tier of running backs. I have Barkley and Taylor still at four and five. I, you know, I, I wrote this <laughs> in my subsec today as well. I don't know how to rank any of these guys. So I don't want to rank. I have them four and five from sort of a bet on talent standpoint and then I have Zeke six, but I don't wanna rank anyone six. I want all these guys to be RB ten. That's how I feel about that. Diggs and Hell would be interesting if we got to a point where we really didn't like our our quarterback options, maybe. I don't know if you said Allen either. Are you a little bit down on Allen
2: on on regression concerns or? Not down on him. I I do think that the regression concerns kind of move him to fourth for me, as opposed to second, but it's fourth within a fairly tight range and you know all we need to do is look at what's happened already to cam newton now it wasn't the only thing and there were other elements that came into that but when we look at these quarterbacks who may not be vaccinated i mean that that could be an issue here with lamar jackson so i I think kyler murray might be second i think then maybe josh allen might be third lamar jackson i think purely in terms of points is probably actually the overall qb1 so i like all four of those guys i think that we could it's hard to go wrong, at least from this perspective, you know, looking back, we'll be able to see who did have the monster season. I think one of those four guys could push to set the all time scoring record at QB.
1: Yeah, it is a phenomenal top tier this year with four guys that you can make just ridiculous upside cases for each. I mean, Kyler and Lamar both have thousand yard rushing potential and then, you know, arguments for passing, obviously. Kyler has to still grow a little bit in that range. Lamar with, with J.K. Dobbins down now, it could look a lot more like 2019. Josh Allen, you know they're going to throw every single play. Patrick Mahomes, we don't really have to talk about him too much. It's a uh, it's ridiculous top tier. And and when you have four options, to your point, it's like,
2: you know, whoever has the big year, it, it could be it could be huge. It could. It could. And after our pick, Matt Schoff takes Devontae Adams, JJ takes Ezekiel Elliott, Jason Stablish takes Tyreek Hill, Bob Harris with Derek Henry, then Mike Clay takes Patrick Mahomes, Scott Pianowski takes Austin Eckler, and then Matthew Berry, who has worked with you a little bit and has the excellent roto pass product there that Rotaviz is a part of he selects Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs at the 1 2 turn uh, nothing but praise for those selections Ben, i don't think we can get any more excited about two guys than Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs
1: yeah that's going to be a really fun stack for him i'm i'm really interested in okay so Claygo Saquon, Barkley he was when we were talking with Mike he was um kind of joking that he might might go with our strategy. And with seeing him go Mahomes as the first quarterback off the board, I was interested to see if he might go Kittle and and go quarterback tight end here. Um, But Kittle goes right behind him. We are now three picks away. We still have Kyler and Lamar on the board. We have Hawkinson and Pitts on the board as well. What do you like more, that second tier of tight ends or shooting for the ceiling with
2: quarterbacks? It's an interesting choice, right? Because we know that tight end dries up faster and yet those very top quarterbacks score so much and if we select a quarterback then we have both positions not covered but we have some flexibility because we've started we've made this beginning at both positions and we're just one away as opposed to two away in terms of covering it does that come into play for you ben or is qb so much deeper that getting the second tight end is something that we have to really look at Oh, I kind of like that. I mean, I kind of like because, you know, if you take two tight
1: ends, basically you're blocking yourself out of any potential breakout tight end or something like that, Um, you know, a commit or whatever, that we we might end up taking as a third one. And we just got onto the clock here. We still have Jackson on the board and we still have Hawkinson and Pitts, but Kyler went. What are you thinking? I think I would lean Lamar, especially when you're sitting, here talking about him potentially being the overall QB one.
2: But if you want' yeah, two tight
1: ends, I'm also very comfortable with that.
2: No, I mean, either way sounds great. It is a big fall from Jackson to the next guy. Obviously, Russell Wilson could have a huge season. Dak Prescott could have a huge season. We do like some of the late QBs, but in terms of creating this, you know, huge firepower roster, having those guys as the QB two, I think, is more exciting than having them as the QB one. It kind of looks like the second tier. Uh, tight ends will fall to us we're a little bit closer to having back-to-back picks uh, in this next time around so I think that Lamar Jackson with his upside is probably the pick
1: yeah I really like the tight end QB start it gives us some flexibility too to kind of see what the room does on this turn there's eight picks until we're up again because we're in the five hole so we're kind of kind of close to the turn but not you know obviously extremely close Justin Jefferson goes there are some receivers and backs going which are keeping some of these you know upper tiers at quarterback and tight end stocked a little bit um Hawkinson or Pitts would be really interesting on the way back now that this first tier of QBs is gone but I don't know that we'll get either I I would feel fortunate if we did yeah the question know. for me I think if we didn't sorry to, sorry to cut in um obviously we could stack Lamar with Andrews but would you have any interest in considering Logan
2: Thomas here for a few tight ends this early at 3.05? I think with the depth, I think with the super flex element and the depth of all the positions, I think that Thomas will drop further. Now, you know, when we're talking about tight end, one of the things that happens not only in this format, but all formats that have any sort of tight end premium element is that unlike the other positions, you don't have multiple targets in each round. So if your tight end target goes, it completely changes your build. And so you you have to have contingencies built in for that. You have to understand that dynamic and kind of have it blocked out how you want to approach it. And so I say, I think Thomas will drop, but if he doesn't, you know we would need to have other ways to go about it. Uh, Then update us here on the Cowboys. It's not like it's a, a team that we don't cover all the time but are you now feeling like Prescott is in the clear, the team talking about him more optimistically in terms of all of the different injury things and the arm seems to be better. Is this a non-story at this point, or are we still thinking that maybe his upside isn't where it would have been previously because you know, with how many points these top QBs are scoring and with both the running and this high-end passing element, even being just 95% of yourself, you know, maybe moves you down into a tier that's flatter because there are a lot of other guys who can do 95% of what your production is. I, I, I have him and Russ in a second
1: tier and then another gap. I, I don't think he's up with the top four on some of those concerns. At the same time, you know, that 95% thing I think makes a lot of sense. We, we, we do still expect they're going to throw a lot. He does have ridiculous weapons. I don't really trust Ezekiel Elliott to be so good that they that they can't throw or anything like that. You know, they can become a, a ground-based team again. Their defense may be a little improved this year, but also probably not going to keep them out of some shootouts. We know Kellen Moore has liked to be pass past first on early down since he took over as offensive coordinator. So, I,
2: I I'm trusting that he's going to be healthy, basically. So then the picks since Lamar Jackson, Justin Jefferson, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor. So our, our guys in terms of Jefferson and especially AJ Brown are gone. We know that AJ Brown actually has some very tiny concerns. If you're looking at it from an FFPC perspective in this, I think he would be pretty exciting. He's not there. Jonathan Taylor, probably the last running back for me, who would move into the equation. Dak Prescott is selected. We have Jeff Ratcliffe ahead of us. He takes Allen Robinson. So we're back and we have access to those tight ends. I don't think running back or wide receiver has anybody for me who would jump in here and prevent us from taking a tight end.
1: No, I mean, the wide receivers that are available here in the early third are are sort of similar to the ones that are available in non-superflex situations. You know, Allen Robinson just went one pick before us. We we could take CeeDee Lamb at 305, which he doesn't usually make it this far, but it doesn't look much different than a normal draft in that regard. There's a, a few more running backs certainly available, uh, but that's not really our, our draft plan. So it's, it's for me, it's Hawkinson, unless you want to stack Andrews with Lamar, but I think Hawkinson's
2: the pick, right? I, I think he is. That's the direction I would like to go. I think that uh, Logan Thomas you know, could end up coming back in, in round four and, and being just a, a gigantic selection there, but Hawkinson really fits exactly what we want to do and I think gives us that second guy. It allows us to really start with that same bill that was so successful last season with, uh, again, kind of what we we're talking about in terms of the short benches, the tight end health really dictates how well you do in this league as well. So now we just need Waller and Hawkinson to stay healthy. And I already feel very good about what we're set up to do.
1: Yeah. And with the tight end premium element in this league and you start two tight ends, we now have, I don't have my projections up, but I believe two of my, top three projected receiving receiver, uh tight end receptions leaders. I think Hawkinson's going to catch 80 balls this year. Last year, obviously Kittle got hurt, but the the third most receptions at the position last year was, was Logan Thomas at 72. I think Hawkinson's going to get right in that gap between Kelsey and Waller, who are both up over 100, and where the tight end three was last year. I do have Kittle projected to catch a few more balls than Hawkinson, but for me, Hawkinson is right there with Kittle in terms of receptions. So I don't have him right there in efficiency necessarily, but then the gap from Hawkinson down to Andrews and, and Pitts, who are, are my next highest at tight end, is a little wider. Now, Pitts could, could certainly be just an absolute monster, but Hawkinson was a, a really nice selection there with the tight end premium, I think.
2: Now, Ben, we're gonna do something that we hope is fun for our shows next week we're going to be drafting in the ffpc main event obviously we'll be covering that the way we cover some of these drafts but we're also going to be giving hot takes for the players that we select when we select them give you the thesis the real upside possibility for the player to help in the million dollars and it sounds like we need to start right here and jay are you saying he is going to lead the tight end position in receptions that his role compared to Darren Waller, uh, Travis Kelsey, we know that those guys are both set up to catch passes and they're superstars, but Kelsey has at least a little bit of competition with Tyreek Hill And there with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, maybe just not having quite the same caliber of passing offense. Uh, will hold Darren Waller down a little bit. Now, obviously with Detroit, we have Jerry Goff, but, even with those caveats, I'm hearing T.J. Hawkinson leads tight end in yeah. receptions at
0: 21.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the the bold case. What I'm saying is, at a baseline projection, I have him at 80 at 80 receptions, which seems pretty pretty darn aggressive. But when you look at the targets per out run in this offense and the different the different pieces, um, Hawkinson his even his best season last year blows away any any of the kind of career numbers of all the guys they brought in Tyrell Williams and all these types, you know, Khalif Raymond, you know, they have a few young guys, but Deandre Swift's banged up too. I mean, the the guy who actually has shown a little bit of uh, upside in terms of earning targets is Hawkinson in this offense. It looks very much like Darren Waller has looked over the last few years in the Raiders offense, where he's sort of just dominated that, that passing game. And I mean, this is my baseline projection, but I, I 100% believe that Hawkinson can catch hundred balls this year and lead. And, could lead all tight ends
2: if he does. Well, speaking in terms of someone using our preferred approach, Matthew Barry there at the three, four turn. Uh, again, we mention all the time. If you're at the turn, if you have the late pick, you got to do something aggressive to rebalance the playing field. He is gone. Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas were obviously behind those picks 100%. Then as we come back through in round four, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, the top QBs on the board, Are we in a position now where we're looking at some of these guys or do we finally break the seal and take a running back, take a wide receiver?
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? Um, At running back, our top available are Clyde Edwards, a and Deandre Swift, a couple of guys that have lost a little shine, but we liked at one point at receiver Keenan Allen is still on the board, but beyond him, it's DJ Moore, for me, which maybe is early for him in this in this type of setting where he could fall a little bit and Herbert just went as well. So now I mean I have Burrow and Brady and then Fields and Lance. I don't mind waiting a little bit at QB, especially because we could wait for the swing back and maybe get a, a rookie if we wanted. I could go a lot of ways here. What do you think?
2: Yeah that QB we've gotten into the deep part and so it's very tempting to wait, see what happens, kind of get the tail end of that tier as opposed to the front end of it. Um, I know I don't have to make the case to you, but when we recorded Rotoviz overtime earlier today, uh, one of the listener questions was, you know, who's being drafted outside the first, say two or three rounds, who could be the overall wide receiver one? We again gave your DJ Moore case. I don't have to sell you on Moore. Uh, Do we need to kind of, urge caution to each other on more when we're looking at him compared to getting an Edwards a Uh Is there a reason why we would want to take the one running back and then avoid the position for the next 10 rounds? Or, or do we need to get more here?
1: No, I think we can just go zero RB. We need six receivers. You, you, you definitely don't have to sell me on more. I'm, I'm happy to press draft right now. And then, like you said, we have a little options to swing back, at a QB in the fifth and more's more's our, our, you know, our number one receiver.
2: You good with that? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I thought maybe you were going to go the other way, but again, I mean, you, you don't have to oh. sell me on DJ more. And this is an easy way to sort of sate our our need. All right, well, we got we got 15 seconds. What do you like? Do you want Clyde? No, let's let's uh, yeah, let's take him and and see if more comes back.
0: Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast, just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRadio2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio 2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed.
1: I'm very good with that. I'm very good with that as well. Cause I think that's pretty strong value. I mean, think about a non super flex draft. I mean, sometimes it's helpful to balance Edwards is someone I'm thinking I, I'm I'm considering in uh, you know at the 2 3 turn. Depending on build, depending on you know what I want to do, certainly would be happy to get him in the middle of the third more who I love, I don't think I'm taking in the middle of the third typically. So even I mean I have him ranked wide receiver 12, but I wouldn't take him in the middle of the third even there cuz you can still get a couple guys that I have ranked very highly. So I have no there, are issue. there
2: are a couple of different things going on right here. I have come around a little bit to the idea that Jarrett McKinnon is going to play a role. One of the themes that I've discussed is that with Brian Westbrook, with LaShawn McCoy, there was just such a concentration of targets to the stud back. That back is a little bit smaller, it really fits the template of what Andy Reid wants to do. That back in Kansas City is Clyde Edwards of but. McKinnon is so funny because we were recording with Davis not that long ago, we we're making jokes about him, you know, basically being in the morgue, these legs that don't work at all. He's looked great in Chiefs camp. I think that they're going to try and keep Edwards O'Leary healthy. I think that maybe he's going to play a little bit bigger role there. So maybe the ceiling is a little bit lower, but I, I still love the floor. I still love the median outcome. Conversely, Ben, you were discussing, and I can't remember if it was on air or just off the two of us together chatting. But the usage for more in the preseason has been very exciting. It looks like he could be making that Stefan Diggs jump. We talk about it all the time within the context of his talent, his before the catch talent, his after the catch talent, but he needs the right routes in the preseason. It's been very promising.
1: It's been great. I mean, seeing especially in the in the third preseason game team catch six passes for 48 yards catching a a third and four, a third and five on a quick out, catching a fourth and one on a quick out and and being the first read on both plays. We didn't see that last year during the season. So that, that is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see that, that Carolina went back in the offseason, Matt rule and and Joe Brady, they thought about it. They thought, how do do we want to deploy this, this new set of receivers? We don't have Curtis Samuel anymore. We have Terrace Marshall, um, you know, an unpolished player, but a very good player, but a bigger slot, somebody who can get more vertical. He had a 20 yard catch in that game. He was running a little bit more vertically out of the slot. How do we want to deploy him at, related to, to Curtis Samuel? And the obvious thing to say is like, well, the reliable guy that we have, you know, that Robbie Anderson also very reliable as well, but especially with more being kind up, I, I would, you know, I would say a little more physical, a little bit more of a after the catch guy to run those types of, Money down, key routes, be the first read. It's just been very obvious to me that it should be DJ. Moore, and then you don't want to assume sort of that rational coaching thing, but feels like that's what we're getting. That's what it looked like. And they did it a couple of times, and I'm willing to buy into that a little bit and say, "Look, this is what will unlock him if this happens. So if I'm seeing it, I'm very excited.
2: And with more, it's almost a little bit better scenario in some ways now with the Josh Allen emergence I mean it's just vanishingly unlikely that Moore gets that kind of quarterback play at the same time Stefan Diggs is so clearly separated from every other player on that Bill's roster that he's going to get the defensive attention and you just can't take him away right I mean he's just this route runner unparalleled and yet the defenses are trying I think in the situation here with Moore he's going to be able to get a lot of target volume and it's going to be difficult oh, for you just
1: one pick before us. And now we got to rethink. we got a minute to do so. I have Higgins as my next. Sorry to cut off your
2: analysis. No, no, that, that's a, I, I thought he was going to make it. Unfortunately, the uh, default settings here kept pushing him up, pushing him up. Yeah. I, the quarterback position I think is deep enough right now. And the rhetoric is off of, burrow enough and there's concern about the first week one starting for lance and fields which in a as we mentioned with the starting with the total number of roster slots makes a little bit trickier here i think we can pass on quarterback and you know t higgins could go at any moment so yeah he's right there with more
1: for me the only the only question would be if we wanted to go two running backs and take deandre swift because i don't think he should be here this late but uh we do have already
2: man that would be Compelling as well.
1: I'm gonna leave it to you because I, I'm very comfortable with both. I think we already have Edward Zillow. We're gonna get some Zero R B targets. We're only gonna start three running backs. I kind of want to get our first receiver. Let's do it. I said I was gonna leave it to you and then I and then I decided. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean we we talked so much about zero RB. We talked about needing to get deep at receiver. You know, I would have loved to get Swift there. I mean, both Clyde Edwards, O'Leary, and Swift would have been really interesting when we already had two really strong tight ends and Lamar Jackson. But we love T Higgins, and and I think we do need to start hitting wide receiver.
2: And the injury situation is scary enough with Swift that I don't think it's impossible he falls all the way through. We'll have another kind of tricky decision to make at that point because – you know, we'll be able to find some more wide receivers that we have a hard time passing the next time around. Ben, where are you now on Joe Burrow? We've selected Higgins. The stacking is, you know, more or less irrelevant, but we are making this bet that the Bengals offense is going to be successful. When I look at him compared to the rest of the quarterbacks who are available, I mean, his his ceiling is just through the roof, especially when we're talking about the second half of the season. And with our tight end floor, I like our chances to be there at that point.
1: Yeah, I love I love it with Burrow. I think the early camp stuff was to be expected, frankly. We we should have expected, you know, he was he got hurt in November. We should have expected that he wasn't gonna be perfectly comfortable throwing in the pocket and things. And and you know, maybe there's a case to be made that he shouldn't have been out there, but he's out there getting reps even if he's not fully ready week one, we have a very good idea that that he's going to play, or at least it seems that way. And then the way I look at it is like, yeah, he's going to probably be a little cautious. Maybe it impacts his play a little bit, but by like week four, he's going to have enough game reps, you know, get everything sort of back under his belt. The competitive juices get flowing. whatever you want to say, like he's going to be fine relatively early into the season. I don't think it's going to be something that, no, you mentioned late in the season. I, I would say it more like week four is my target where I'm I'm thinking by that point the guy's gonna be back to sort of back to normal unless he just like gets the yips or something. I mean, how long how long sort of does it does it last where he doesn't feel comfortable stepping into his throws and things? I think it's a few games,
2: really. I think that's exactly right. And Jamar Chase starting to emerge a little bit at Bengals camp and in Bengals practices. Also encouraging for just what the upside of that offense is. Then look at these receivers going off the board. After our pick, Jerry Judy goes, Brandon Ayuk goes. We get a couple of QBs in Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts. Devin Montgomery at the running back position. I think the question that is on my mind and, and must be on the listener's mind as a result is when is too early, especially in a fun draft where we're going to take a ton of wide receivers and we can get a little bit crazy in terms of where we pick some of these guys, how early is too early for loewska <laughs> Uh
1: Can you see the work list that I'm, that I'm adding or is this only in my draft
2: room? I think it's only you. I'm, I'm currently uh, boxed out by not being logged in. So I
1: have added to
2: the work list uh, Burrow and Swift
1: because he's still there as we get to the turn and we're still about eight picks away. Jamar Chase, who was still there and we like very much, and we would have no issue taking Higgins with Chase, and and then we'd certainly have, have made that bet. And on the way back in the seventh, it's very possible we could hit Burrow, and then have this Bengals super stack that would be pretty fun. And then I added Chase Claypool and Levisca Chenault because those are those are the next two on my list. I, I do have Claypool
2: ahead of Chenault still. Would you take Chenault over Claypool? I'm not to the point now where I would, I I just think that the volume situation is so much more favorable. And I think those guys are pretty comparable talents at the same time. There's less of a concern that the Steelers passing offense will just be terrible. We know that even a compromise, Ben Roethlisberger can get these guys going. I mean, you'd like to see them kind of in that playoff game scenario more often. Maybe their defense is too good for that to happen too often when they haven't kind of blown the game early, which, you know, it isn't going to be something that happens every week. And then you follow the different teams and everything was very negative for Claypool sort of down the stretch of last season. And then in the off season, there were some weird off the field things. And then training camp has happened and team watchers are back to being like, I mean, Chase Claypool is impossible to cover. I mean, he is the alpha star in this offense. You and I have discussed the fact that there are really quite a few scenarios Where Deontay Johnson, you know, doesn't drop passes and is one of the top, you know, four or five targeted guys in the NFL, which would obviously make him a value. We still love Juju. He in the playoff game did exactly what we would kind of expect him to do when he's fully healthy. Some of these guys, it just takes really a a long time to get all the way back and, and be who they are again. I mean, Juju is a guy who had a near 300 point season. We can't ignore that. But if people following the team are saying Claypool is it, I mean, that's very difficult to ignore.
1: Yeah, I keep going back to Claypool. One, getting his routes cut late in the year and James Washington getting more playing time, and that sort of being a negative. But they did give reasons for that. They were very dubious. They, were the, you know, he, they didn't want him to hit a rookie wall in these types of things, which is very sort of bizarre, but I guess could have been we could just take that at face value and then think, okay, well, maybe they'll let him go in the second year. I, yeah, I think that's sort of a negative. Then the, the positive flip side of that is not only was Claypool very explosive and players like him tend to be efficiency players, you know, whoever you want to say, DK Metcalfs or what have you, very valuable downfield targets, a lot of touchdowns, all those things, but he also earned targets per route at the highest rate of any rookie last year, a fraction of a percent higher than Justin Jefferson. That's I I keep going back to that where if if Claypool's actually really good at earning targets too, or if Ben just really likes him or whatever it is, and then he's explosive on top of it, and then he adds the full routes, it's pretty hard to
2: see that. (laughs) It's pretty hard to, to not see upside there. It is. It is. And JJ pulls the trick on us right before we select. He does go with DeAndre Swift. So Ben, that probably moves us to those wide receivers at the QB position we're looking at the top guys and the default here being Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, uh, Mayfield still there, Tua, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, the rest of those rookies. I'm I'm wondering and we're up now but
1: we've done we've done late round QB with some success in this league as well I'm wondering if you're comfortable with that second QB kind of pushing it and seeing what happens.
2: I am. I mean, I, I, number one, I do want Burrow, but I think that it's possible that he continues to slide. And if not, you know, if we could hit Justin Fields, I mean, that would be a home run. Right. It's going to be a situation where they, I mean, especially now with this, the finger thing, I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but with Lance, maybe that moves him back, but Fields is going to be there awfully early. Right?
1: Yeah. I am very excited about him. We have chase Chenault, Claypool all on the board still. Do you like Jamar chase here? ahead of them i didn't ask you that one yet or should we go Chenault?
2: let's take claypool because that opens us up to then going with Chenault. where uh you know if we go with chase maybe we're a little bit more limited in terms of being able to get both of those guys maybe too much Bengals might not be the way we'll get a little bit of of diversification here i do think that Chenault will come back through but it could be close we're probably not the only tandem in this draft who are excited about what he could do this year? Yeah, it might it might get tight with him.
1: He is pretty far down the default rankings on this uh, on this list. Jamar Chase is still there, obviously ahead of him. Depot Samuel, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller. We are getting thin at receiver. I actually i do i do think he probably goes, but some running backs are starting to go. We'll see. And we did take Chase Claypool, so now we have. Amar Jackton, glad I were Dallaire, both Higgins and Claypool as second-year receivers. And Jamar Chase went right behind us. It's going to make it even less likely for Chenault. Maybe we'll get lucky there. And then Waller and Hawkins at a tight end as well. So we are I, – I mean, look, I love Chenault. I have him everywhere. I, I don't have an issue with having Claypool here instead of Chenault. I, I think they're both they're, – they're, we were discussing who we would – prefer you know, in in front of the other, but they're both reasonably close.
2: And Ben, we don't want to give away too much for our draft on Friday, but in terms of looking at the five, six turn, we're going to be drafting out of the nine slot, what should people be thinking about when they go through that range? So probably Jerry Judy is gone. That's where in a non-double tight end kind of format, we're looking at Logan Thomas uh, Noah Fant is now kind of moving into round seven so the five six turns or the 604 might be early for him but again because of the tight end uh, lack of depth and just really the one target per round kind of situation you have to consider him a little bit if you've missed early and then there are some interesting choices in terms of Darrell Henderson Trey Sermon you know do you take Lovisca really pretty early or do you let him wrap back around Pat was saying he thinks Henderson is going to continue to fall. Do you agree with that? And is Henderson someone who more or less off your board as a result? Where are we looking at running back here if we were forced into a pick?
1: Um, I have Javante Williams next. Like right now when we're in this range, in this draft here. Um, But then I I do have Henderson after that. And then Hunt, Edmonds, Gaskin, some more of these sort of dead zone packs. It's not really – I mean – Anyone who knows me knows that I'm probably not going to go running back here. Williams would be the pick as the rookie, the, the type of shot that I'm willing to take in the dead zone at running back. But I would prefer the, the Logan Thomas or Chenault type of path personally.
2: Is Javante Williams someone that you could see being a league winner? or does the And obviously your rank suggests to an extent that you do. I've written about him for the zero RB target list and have suggested that I do. At the same time, you know, Mella Gordon is there. The offense may not be great. And even though it's running back versus wide receiver, they've got a lot of receivers they could go through to make this offense hum.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. This, this offense, you know, operating that way. The the reason that I, I mean, look, we can beat the quarterback stuff, um, you know, beat it, beat it into the ground. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is, the type that will uh, throw to the running back a lot regardless. And so, especially if Melvin Gordon at his, uh, you know, we'll say advanced age were to miss some time. He's only played 16 games, I believe once in his career. I think he's only played 15 one other time. He typically misses a couple of games every year. It's just sort of what's been his career trajectory. He misses a couple of games. You have... Javante Williams probably catching five passes and and doing the, the things that you need to have a real up, a real ceiling. So I, am pretty excited. There's a lot of reasons, obviously in this prospect profile, you could talk, you could speak to 21 year old rookie and they traded up to get him. And yeah, I think he could be a league winner for
2: sure. So then there are two picks ahead of ours here. And unless they come off exactly as Joe Burrow and Levisca Chanel we're going to get someone we're very excited about in round seven.
1: And Tyler Higby just went. So we have locked that in. Uh yeah, I'm I'm pretty thrilled about that. Who do we prefer? Do we prefer another receiver and letting and, and we do have our choice? Do we prefer another receiver and, and letting quarterback continue to sort of work itself out? Uh I think that's how I lean. Although I'm very comfortable going Burrow. Actually, b- behind Burrow, we have Fields and Lance. We already have Trevor Lawrence off the board. We have Cousins off the board. We're going to get into the deep stuff pretty
2: quick. So We are. This might be a range where we actually did want to take Burrow and then try and come back and get a third QB with one of those other guys if they fall through. Like you mentioned, it, it gets it gets late in a hurry and super flex. This might be the range to take it. It would be hard to pass on Chanel here, because now it's a really long way back to our pick in round eight. I mean, he's not going to make it through. So we are passing on him if we give it up here, but with a super flex, you just don't want to, you want to be the the last team to take the last star, but you don't want to get out of that range because then you're in deep trouble.
1: Yeah. So we're going to go burrow here. We're leaving both fields and Lance, and we're very excited about both, but certainly we're excited about Burrow as well. And then on top of it, we already did make the bet on Higgins, as we talked about. I think Burrow just made too much sense there to pass out. We'll have Devontae potentially coming back around. Would that be something you'd be interested in uh, the the late eighth round?
2: Yes, so... We only have the one running back. We're very comfortable letting the running backs fall in this start six wide receiver format. We know that they're going to keep going very, very late. Josh Jacobs just comes off at the 7.06. And so there's no pressure to do that. But also, we don't want to get caught up in structure to the point where we miss our favorite guys. And so I think that he may come back, and and that would be a pretty exciting pick. It would help us get over the fact that Chennault goes just a couple picks after us. So that was definitely the range he was going to come off in Ben, who are the next wide receivers that we're looking at
1: I was just going to mention that yeah so I have
2: I have it as Debo
1: and then uh, a little ways down Gallup and Fuller I've brought Shark up right behind them Devonta Smith Elijah Moore Rondale Moore basically Jarvis Landry Mike Williams now we're getting into those mid-round picks, Jalen, I, I have Jalen Waddle a little ways down. He is still available as well. Terrace Marshall, Jacoby Myers. So several sort of interesting receivers a little bit later, but we're going to get to the point where like, if somebody like Debo makes it back to us, I'm very interested,
2: as, as well as Gallup and Fuller. You know, Fuller is a guy that I know you're very high on. He is, he is. Jarvis Landry, someone that interests you at all. Uh, another question that I have, and this becomes sort of relevant again in terms of our, strategizing for the main event now that Michael Thomas is going to be out through week seven any appeal still there one of the things in this format that I like and this is something that we took advantage of in our rotoviz dynasty triflex startup was that there's an IR position and so we could stash him for the first half of the season and again assume that our tight end and QB very early build will carry us there, but a wide receiver is is going to be shallow enough that you use a pick on someone who isn't going to perform through the first half of the season. And I mean, you're playing from behind. Yeah,
1: that's the hard thing for me, Uh, especially in this format where we start six receivers is using a pick on him, knowing we're not going to get him for such a long stretch. I, I have him in my ranks quite a ways down still behind all those names that I mentioned, even the Jacoby Myers. I mean, that's just how I've been playing the Michael Thomas scenario. Oh, he just went off the board. So Uh, Matthew Berry took him, and he was thinking similar to you. He has had a pretty strong
2: draft. And Will Fuller goes to Mike Clay just before that. So wide receiver drying up quickly. We do have some deep guys that it gets kind of fun to take in formats like this where otherwise we don't really get to have them because they don't fit structurally with most leagues, but they could here. That's going to do it for the first half of our going deep draft tonight on Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel with me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretch. Please make sure you're subscribed to his Stealing Signals newsletter. He's got a bunch of great updates in there. you got the rankings, you got the advanced stats. You're going to have the column, right? I mean, the article for fantasy football on the entire internet, stealing signals coming out early in the week. Once the season starts, we know that you're going to be just vacuuming up every word of that. Rotoviz has an amazing plan for the beginning of the season. I mentioned a couple times we're going to have wide receiver routes. We're going to have running back broken tackles, all that stuff. Uh, that you want for your one-stop shop in fantasy this year. If you're looking to subscribe, you can save quite a bit. You can save 10% with the discount code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Please give us a rating and review. You guys have been too kind with those. Uh, We appreciate the feedback so much. If you can, subscribe to our individual feed. We're going to have a lot of individual draft shows coming out over the next week. And a lot of our player takes... We'll be in that, how we navigate drafts, but also the stats and the structure that we feel are important for drafting these guys. We know that you're doing a lot of drafts next weekend, next weekend, the big weekend. And then even with these great FFPC contests going uh, the following Friday, Saturday, you can draft after those first NFL games. Stick with us for that. Uh, We can't wait for part two of this show where we try and compete with the industry's best experts in going deep.